Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and I just want to welcome you if you're a first-time guest with us here today. Uh, We're so glad that you're here with us. If you're a regular attender, we're glad that you're back. And uh, I just want to let you know I got sick on Thursday um, with kind of a really bad throat uh, problem. Never really had it happen before. It literally felt like I had razor blades in my throat, um, which was a little scary because Friday night we had a Believe gathering here. And that's like an extended worship time. And, and I wasn't worried about the singing part because, as you saw, we have an incredible team. And, uh, and I wasn't worried about that. But I, I felt compelled to pray like the Lord was saying, you know, just, just pray and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring healing to you. And so we prayed all day. Uh, it, really nothing happened. It was still very painful. And then at 3 o'clock, gone. Just instantly. I mean, it's incredible. And, and I'm telling you, it was, it, was, it was crazy. I called my wife and said, you know, honey, it's, it's gone. The pain is gone. Um, she said, well, I was just praying for you. And, uh, and man, God just gets the glory for that. It was, it was awesome. But I'm still dealing with a little bit of residual effect. I'm, I'm really tired. Um, I feel like I got hit by a bus, to be honest with you, in a lot of ways. So some people call that the flu. Uh, I'm calling it Jesus is going to heal me all the way. All right. So, um, but I am not going to greet you today um, at the end because I don't want you to die, okay? Because that's what it feels like. <laughs> but anyway, uh, happy Mother's Day to you who are moms in here today. We're just so um, blessed by you. want to say a special happy Mother's Day to my lovely little mother. Uh, I call her little because I'm taller than her. She's the only person in the world I'm taller than. So uh, makes me feel good. But, uh, but I love you. Thank you for everything pouring into my life um, with Jesus and, and everything. And just to all of you who are moms, um, just thank you for being a blessing to your children and, and pouring into them. Um, so we're so excited to celebrate Mother's Day with you today as well. Well, I want to welcome you to uh, the middle of our series called Make War. And we are literally right smack dab in the middle of this series and uh, if this is your first time, we, we hope that this will open uh, your eyes a little bit to the truth of God's word as we look at the seven deadly sins. And uh, throughout history, church history in particular, there have been seven particular sins that um, the enemy will use to come against us in order to overtake us. And it's these seven sins that we've been talking about in this series. But what we've been discovering is that only through Jesus' death and resurrection power can we be set free um, from, from sin in our lives. You know, Jesus died on the cross once and for all for us. And in that moment, the scripture says that, that Jesus died in our place and he died for our sin. And so when we believe in Jesus, when God thinks of our sin, he, he doesn't think of it at all because he sees Jesus. In fact, I love what the, the psalmist wrote. The psalmist wrote that, that God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. And in Jesus, that promise is yes and amen when we believe in him. But that's the thing. We have to engage him in faith if we're going to receive victory in our life. Jesus won the victory on the cross. We can receive that victory today as we, uh, as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And that's what we've been discovering. That's what we've been learning because Jesus' payment, Jesus' death was the payment effective for our salvation, for our freedom. And through his power, the power of his resurrection, Because he was resurrected, we were adopted into his family, and we receive this incredible gift called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us 
to live into the truth of God. That's what Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit leads us into the, the truth of God, and we can apply it to our lives, and, and then he'll transform us. But throughout this series, we've been focusing on one primary thing, and that's, that's this. Things are not what they seem. There's a war going on, and you and I play a vital role in the outcome. Things are not what they seem. There's a war going on, and you play a vital role in the outcome. And let me just tell you what that means. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today, you need to know that when you believed in Jesus, you entered into a spiritual war. Now, you need to know the war's already been won by Jesus, but the enemy is going to come against us with these little battles that, that he's going to bring into our minds and into our hearts, and he's going to do everything that he possibly can to distract us from putting our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus every day. He's going to come after us so that, because if he can get us distracted from God, he, he knows that he can win um, this battle in our lives. And it's really, really um, hard at times. But in the kingdom of God, war works differently than it does here. You see, when we think of war here on the earth, we think of, man, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to annihilate them and that's it. I'm going to have victory, right? Well, in the kingdom of God, actually, because Jesus' death on the cross already took care of our sin problem, the only thing that we need to do is we need to surrender. Surrender brings victory in our lives. Surrender brings victory in our, in our lives. That's how war works in the kingdom of God. We surrender to Jesus every day. And as we do that, we claim his victory over whatever sin it is that we're battling with at that point. And then we can have his victory and it can flow through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as Pastor Chris often says, however, information minus application is just simply information. Right, you can sit here today, and in fact, you could take copious notes. You could take as many notes as you want to take, but if you do not apply those notes, those truths into your life, those uh, truths from the scripture, what we're going to hear today, nothing will happen in your life. But if you have information and then you apply that information to your life, so we say information plus application, it equals transformation. That's really how transformation comes about in our lives because when we apply the truth of God in our lives, then the Holy Spirit is able to do the part that we can't do. So we do our part. We take this information that we receive from the Word of God, we apply it over our lives, and then the Holy Spirit does this supernatural thing from the inside out. He changes us. It's incredible what happens as we apply the truth of God in our lives. So we do our part, and God does his part. So it's so important, guys, that we understand that when we come together uh, here on the weekends, that, that we're not just telling you things so that you'll feel better about yourselves. We want you to actually be transformed into what God has called you and prepared for you here on this earth. So as I mentioned, we've been talking about these seven deadly sins, and the first one was pride, and then we talked about um, lust, and then we talked about sloth, and last week we talked about greed. But today I want to talk to you about the green-eyed monster. Have you ever heard of the green-eyed monster? Well, if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. The green-eyed monster has made numerous appearances in my life, and I'm guessing he's made numerous appearances in yours as well. There's something we have to understand about this green-eyed monster. Take a look at this. The Hulk. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Now, he's not the Hulk, by the way. But there's something we have to understand about the green-eyed monster. The green-eyed monster will destroy you 
from the inside out. He really will. The green-eyed monster will destroy you from the inside out. Now, the green-eyed monster is just simply an alias for what the Scripture calls envy or jealousy. Now, envy is a very serious struggle, uh, particularly in our culture. In fact, envy is one of the most destructive sins when it comes to relationships, especially with the invention of social media. Now, how many of you have Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that? Okay. All right. A lot of you do. And if you don't, it's actually a blessing. And you'll see why in just a minute. With the invention of social media, uh, we're assaulted with envy every time we log on. Because, and I don't know, maybe you're not like me, maybe you don't do this, but, but when I see like a picture on Facebook, I'll use, I'll use Facebook because it seems like everybody and their mother has it now, okay? Happy Mother's Day. So, so when you look at Facebook and you see a picture of somebody, have you ever done this where you, you, you see the person kind of, but you're looking past them and be like, are those real hardwood floors? <laughs> or maybe it's, that's a big TV, or maybe it's, that's a nice car that they're standing in front of. Do you know that that's envy working inside of us? Because we see what we want to see in those pictures. In fact, a lot of times we'll even miss the person. And that person could be our best friend. Or maybe you do look at the person and you go, man, how did they get their hair that straight? You just shave it off. It works really well. You know, my wife says to me sometimes, man, my hair is so frizzy. And I say, baby, it looks beautiful to me, you know? And by the way, guys, if you want to win a point, one point, that's a good way to do it, okay? She always looks beautiful because she'll say, well, you know, so-and-so, man, their hair just lays flat. And I'm like, maybe they have a flat head. I don't know. I didn't even notice it, to be honest with you. But you see, envy can kind of work its way into our lives, especially when we see those, those images. And, and what we're really doing is we see that image, and, and what we want is we actually want our lives to be in that picture. We want that picture to capture what's happening in our life. And the reason is because envy is a deep-seated and misdirected longing to be happy. That's what envy is. Envy is a deep-seated and misdirected longing to be happy. A deep-seated and misdirected longing to be happy. Now, that's not the dictionary definition. Like, if you were to look it up, that's not what it says in there. But if you really got down to brass tacks on it, that's exactly what envy really is. In fact, you'll hear people say this uh, pretty often. You know, their life, man, their life is so perfect. In fact, you might even say that as you're looking at an Instagram post. And by the way, just so you know, everybody puts their very best pictures on Instagram and Facebook, okay? Let's just be honest. Don't you go to the best place in your house to take a picture of your kids and, and you get the light just right so they look like angels and they're really little devils? You know, don't you do that? Yeah, don't lie to yourself. Everybody does that. Right? So, so, so just be aware of that, that when you're looking at that, that's the very best that that person has to offer in that moment for the most part. Or maybe you've heard this. This is a new one. Uh, it, it, their life is 100. Came from a little emoji, the, the number 100. And what that really means is, man, their life is awesome. You know, and it's, it's so important that, that we understand that we identify these things because this leads us to resent those who seem to have it all together. 
You know, we can, we can resent our best friend by looking at his pictures on Facebook or on Instagram or on Snapchat or, or, or actually getting up and going to his house. You know, you can begin to resent them because of what they have or the good looks that, that, that they've been blessed with or whatever it is that, that catches your eye. You can begin to hate them because they seem to have what you have been looking for your whole life. And, and that's not what God wants for our lives. Now, envy is deep-seated because it lives deep within the chambers of our hearts. In fact, it's like an infection that just begins to grow inside of our heart and then it just affects our whole body. And envy is misdirected longing because you and I were created for perfection, but because of sin, we cannot achieve it, which discourages us and results ultimately in unhappiness. So we long to be happy because actually God designed us for perfection. Do you know in the very beginning, the scripture says that God created everything and everything was good. Do you know what that means? That means that the relationship that people had with God was completely perfect. There was no sin in the world. There was nothing holding them back from having a relationship with God. In fact, I love it. The scripture says that actually God came and walked with them in the garden. That's cool. Do you know what revelation that the very last book in the Bible says? That we, we will be with God again in his presence. That is also cool. But everything was perfect. We were created for that. We were designed for that. But because of sin in our life, we, we try to chase everything possible that we possibly think that would fill that gap, and we try to put it into our life so that we can find that happiness that we long for. Listen, guys, that happiness is only going to be found in a relationship with God because only when we see and savor Jesus for who he truly is can we be set free. Jesus is all we need. We need the presence of God in our lives. There's no car, there's no money, there's no relationship, there's no nothing that will fill that gap in your heart except for Jesus because that's the way God designed us. So you see, when people say things like, that's the life. You ever said that before? You ever, said, you ever just looked at something and been like, that's the life, man. Maybe right now you're on Facebook because I mentioned it and... Uh, and you're looking down through and somebody's got a picture and you're like, that's the life. Right? You see, when we say that, actually what we're really saying and what we mean is that if that was our life, we would be happy. So when we say that's the life, what we really mean is if that was my life or that was your life, that, that we would finally be happy. And, and the reason is because envy is discontent rooted in comparison. That's what envy really is, discontent rooted in comparison. When we compare ourselves to each other, we will eventually hate each other. And don't miss this, you will hate yourself. If we allow envy to boil up inside of us and we don't address it, you will hate, you will hate your best friend that you have loved dearly for years. And then you will grow to hate yourself. And once you've hated everybody, what do you do then? See, that's not the life that God wants for us. God has an incredible life in mind for us. In fact, before the foundations of the earth were laid, the scripture says that God has given us works to do. He chose us, number one, and then he gave us works to do. It's incredible, guys. God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he wants us to be a part of his family. He wants us to have this life. He wants us 
to experience happiness as we focus on Him and as we are fulfilled by Him and Him alone. You see, the only thing that envy will ever gain us in our life is a hard life and quickened death. Actually, when I was growing up, uh, I, I'm my best friend Jimmy. Some of you know uh, Jimmy's real, actually. And uh, he was here a couple months ago, and that was really, really cool. First time ever he was here. And, uh, and, and so Jimmy had this thing. You know, what the, you know these battery-operated kind of big car things for kids? They're called big wheels. You ever see those? Well, Jimmy had a big wheels, and it wasn't just a big wheels. It was a Bigfoot big wheels, like monster truck Bigfoot. And that thing was so cool. And he also had those little matchbox cars that were, um, that were Bigfoot uh, cars as well. And, and I loved those things. And for some reason, my mom would never buy those for me. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if she hated them or, or what. Now, the big wheels, I understand. It was expensive. But, you know, I, I mean, come on. I was the only child for eight years, you know. We'll talk later. I'm still in therapy over this, by the way. <laughs> So I wanted these things so bad, and, and I could never have them. And, uh, and, and it was really, honestly, to be completely honest with you, a lot of times it would make me sick because I would want that thing so bad. Envy infected my heart, even to the point of, of making me physically, um, physically ill. And, and, and it's not good. That's not what God wants. And, and I just want to make a note of something right here. I don't know what happens to parents when they become grandparents, but something switches because my kids, I never, I wasn't going to buy them a, a big wheels. I learned that from my mom. They showed up for Christmas two years ago. What did they have? A big wheels. So I got in it and drove it around. I don't know. I don't know what switched. Can't find that in the scripture anywhere, to be honest with you. I don't know where it is. But, but you know, that envy would, would just really, really... Uh, make me sick. And it, and it was really, really hurtful. But that's not what God wants for us. In fact, Paul, when he was writing to a, a young pastor named Titus on the, on the Greek island of Crete, he told Titus to be very, very careful of envy. In fact, he reminded Titus the importance of overcoming envy by applying God's truth to his life because envy unattended ultimately leads to hate. Look what Paul says to Titus in Titus 1. We're going to begin in verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. So Paul makes clear that all of us suffer from foolishness because of disobedience. You know, in the, in the beginning when everything was created good, the scripture says in Genesis, and, and we had this perfect relationship with God, in Genesis chapter 3, it says that, that sin came into the world because of a decision that Adam and Eve made to, to receive something that God said, listen, you don't need this in your life. And the enemy came against them, and he, 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 he kind of snuck in just like he always does. He said, listen, this thing that God told you not to eat, God's trying to keep something from you, something good. And so Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. They stepped outside of the will of God, and sin came into the world. And ever since that moment, we've been struggling with this thing called the sin nature. And all of us struggle. I mean, how many of you have made a decision in your life where you went, that was dumb? Okay. Oh, you raised your hands. All right. Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar and that's your problem. Okay. So, so, 
So we've all made those decisions, and they all lead to foolishness. Right? They all, they all lead to foolishness when we make dumb decisions. And, and those decisions come out of our, our sinful nature. And Paul reminds Titus of that. Titus, be careful because remember what happened in your life before you knew Jesus. What happened? Well, there was evil, and, and that evil was from the sin nature, and, and there was envy. And you looked around and you saw everybody's Facebook posts, which I don't know what it would have been back then. Maybe those were nice sandals. I don't know. But you look around, and, and you, whatever it is that they wanted, he, he said, listen, remember, you, you saw those things, and, and you hated them because of that. Why? Because envy leads to resentment, which leads to ultimately hate. So envy leads to hate, plain and simple. But thank goodness and thank God that God, speaking through Paul, shows us the way out. Look at verse 4. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So the very first thing that Paul makes clear, if we want to make war and overcome envy in our lives, here's the first thing. And listen, if you have your, um, your connection inside, there are these message notes. I would encourage you, if you don't write anything else down, write these three things down. It's right under here, under Victory God's Way. I want you to write these three things down because you're going to forget them if you don't, okay? Because I will. <laughs> and I want you to write these down, and I want you to apply them to your life, and I want you to see what God's going to do. I really do, okay? So the very first thing, if we want to make war and overcome envy in our lives, is we must surrender our lives daily to Jesus. We must surrender our lives daily to Jesus. Jesus died for our sins on the cross, we talked about that at the beginning. Once and for all, his death became the payment effective for our salvation, for our lives. That means that Jesus died for every sin Brad French has ever committed, the sins I'm going to commit today, and the sins I'm going to commit in the future. Jesus died for that. That's incredible. God has cast them as far as the east is from the west. God's forgotten about them already. And he's welcomed me into his family. And he's welcomed you into his family. And he wants that for every person. He wants every person to come into his family. Now, envy is overcome by Jesus' death and his resurrection. So every day when we get up, we have to surrender our lives to Jesus. Jesus, this day is yours. Use me in the calling and the purpose to which you've, you've given for me in this moment. So then Paul continues and he says, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the next thing Paul instructs us to do is this. If we want to make war and overcome envy in our lives, we must rely on the Holy Spirit. We must rely on the Holy Spirit. You see, because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he gives us new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. One time, Jesus was having a discussion with a guy. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, tell me about this thing called the kingdom of God. What is this? How can I be a part of this? And Jesus um, said, well, Nicodemus, you know that, that flesh is born of flesh. Oh, yeah, I know that. Well, Jesus said, well, actually, you have to be born again. And imagine Nicodemus. I mean, what? 
That doesn't make any sense. You know, how, how is that even possible? And, and what Jesus said is, listen, it's, you don't need to be born of flesh again. You need to be born of the Spirit. So if we are going to overcome sin in our lives, we have to, first of all, believe Jesus. We have to trust him. We have to surrender to him. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, which he gives us, because after he was resurrected, he, was, he ascended to the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And now the Holy Spirit empowers us to live into the truth of God and he transforms us from the inside out. So when we stay focused on Jesus and we rely on the, on the Holy Spirit, then we can't focus on the things that drive us to envy. Paul then continues and he finally says this in verse 7. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit the eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So the last thing that Paul makes clear is this. If we want to make war and overcome envy in our lives, we must celebrate God's grace. Grace, this, is the, this word is so incredible. Grace is unmerited favor given by somebody who's worthy to someone who is unworthy. You see, Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He didn't sin one time. Jesus died on the cross, a criminal's death. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. But he died there, why? He died in our place. He died for us so that we could be free. God sent Jesus to do this for us, to live for us. God is filled with grace. You see, when we live under God's grace, we, are, we, we lean towards humility because we realize we can't do this on our own. If you try to overcome these seven deadly sins in your lives, you might get a little better, but you're always gonna fall. You'll never truly be free. But if we will surrender to Jesus, if we will rely on the Holy Spirit and celebrate God's grace in our lives, then the Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out. You know, it's been said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And what that means is just simply this, that every human being, no matter what their color, black, white, uh, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, doesn't matter. Whatever your socioeconomic status, wherever you come from on this earth, at the foot of the cross, we all need one thing, mercy. And God has offered us mercy through Jesus' death on the cross. And when we receive that in our lives, we are set free. And the life that we have here and now will begin a new life that continues on into a life after this life is over. But every human being is in need of mercy. So when we surrender to Jesus, when we rely on the Holy Spirit, and when we celebrate God's grace, we will be able to experience His mercy in our lives in fresh ways. And really, that's the only way that we can do what Paul actually opened up um, the letter to Titus with. We're going to go back to verse 1. Look what he said. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. The only possible way that we can do this, the only possible way 
that we can do this is if we are completely and truly surrendered to Jesus. If we're relying on the Holy Spirit and if we're surrendering, I'm sorry, and we're celebrating God's grace in our lives. And what that means, guys, is that we don't have envy in our hearts. We're not storing it up because it will eventually infect and affect everything else in our lives. Now, I want to get really practical with you for a minute. If you struggle specifically with envy, and I said this last week, and, and I'll say it again, out of all of these seven, there's going to be one or two that's like a knife to your heart. And uh, I have to sneeze really bad. <laughs> Went away. Thank you, Jesus. There's going to be one or two that really get you. And, and this one is one of the ones that, that is really, really difficult to overcome. But I want you to know, the only way that, that we can really and truly overcome this is, is not only do we celebrate God's grace in our lives, but we celebrate God's grace in the lives of others as well, especially those that we envy. <laughs> when we see that Facebook post, when we see that Instagram post or Snapchat or Twitter, whatever it is, and you look at it and you go, man, I just <laughs> want that to be my life so much. Can you celebrate the fact that Jesus died for that person? And, and listen, maybe that person doesn't know Jesus yet. Then listen, you have a new task. Your job isn't to focus on what you want, but what, on what God wants for that person to know him. But if maybe you know that person and you know they do know Jesus, can you just celebrate that God has delivered incredible grace in their lives? Because if we can celebrate God's grace in their lives, then we will overcome envy. And it won't be by our power. It'll be by his power working inside of us. But there's something that you have to understand. You cannot celebrate God's grace in other people's lives if you have not first surrendered to Jesus and you're not relying on the Holy Spirit. Only then can you celebrate God's grace in your life and in the lives of other people. And I want to just, I want to close with this. When we die and this life is over, you just need to know this. You're not going to take your bank account to heaven. You're going to leave it to your kids who are going to buy a ton of power wheels. Just so you know. You can't take your car to heaven. You can't take your looks to heaven. In fact, I love it. The scripture says that we get new bodies in heaven. I say, hallelujah, Lord. Stretch me out and make me flatter. You can't take whatever it is that you long for so deeply to heaven. The only thing we can take to heaven are other people. And we do that by telling them about this message that God loved them so much that he died for them. And he wants them to be free just like he wants you to be free. Because when this life is over, the only thing that you and I will want is Jesus. When we stand before him in heaven, we are going to want him completely and fully in our lives. And listen, the decisions we make now, they matter for eternity. So the decision that you have before you today is, number one, are you going to surrender your life to Jesus if you never have? And number two, are you going to, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, are you going to do it in this moment? Are you going to rely on his spirit and celebrate the grace of God in your life and in the lives of others?
Will you allow God to transform you from the inside out? Because, listen, if you don't allow God to transform you from the inside out, you just need to know that envy will destroy you from the inside out. I'd rather be transformed than destroyed, to be honest with you. So the only way we can do that is by living out this commitment this week, and it's simply this. I will make war on envy through Jesus' resurrection power this week. So we're going to go out and we're going to make war on envy. How? Surrender, rely, celebrate. Surrender, rely, celebrate. Surrender to Jesus, rely on the Holy Spirit, and celebrate God's grace. And if you'll do that, guys, I'm telling you, your lives are going to be different. You're going to be changed from the inside out. I'll be changed from the inside out. God's going to do incredible things through us as we trust him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this truth, the truth of your word, that when we apply it in our lives, that you transform us. So God, help us today to do our part, and, and we will just trust you to do your part. And Lord, for any in here today who for the very first time are admitting that they're a sinner, they're messed up, and that they need a Savior, I pray right now, Lord, that you would meet them where they are and that they would believe you, that you died for their sins, that you were raised back to life for, uh, for them to be adopted into your family, that they can have the Holy Spirit right now leading and guiding them. And Father, that, that they would confess their sin to you. And Lord, for those of us who have trusted you as Savior and Lord, Father, I pray that you will stir us up to surrender daily rely on the Holy Spirit, and celebrate your grace so that we can overcome envy and live for you and experience your true joy as we savor every part of you in every relationship that we have so that people can know that there's a God who loves them and has an incredible plan for their life. In Jesus' name, amen.